Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Riley, extra gifts for you tomorrow. Uh, seriously, Merry Christmas. I'm glad that uh, you were able to come uh, and celebrate uh, Christmas Eve uh, tonight uh, with Genesis. My name is Michael. Uh, and by the way, if you have um, family and little kids here, they're more than welcome to stay um, uh, for the remainder of our time together, or uh, you can feel free. We've got some folks who are, have got some cool things planned for kids. There's a real live shepherd. So adults, if you'd rather be back there with a real live shepherd, uh, you have to stay. So um, I love Christmas. I don't know if uh, you love Christmas, but ever since I was uh, a tiny uh, little kid, uh, like I would get excited just when it would turn like December 1st and knowing that, wow, like 24, 25 days from now. And in all honesty, my excitement for Christmas was like gifts and toys and all of the, the things uh, that I would get. Um, does anyone love Christmas? Okay. I need some more enthusiasm. Does anyone like really like Christmas or you're just surviving this holiday? Um, as I think about uh, Christmas... Um, one of the things, uh, I certainly love uh, getting presents, and I love giving presents. I probably like one more than the other that uh, I won't tell you about, but I certainly love getting, and I love giving uh, presents. Now, I'm guessing at some point between now and tomorrow morning, you will do both. You will give some gifts, and hopefully someone's got some good gifts uh, to give uh, towards you. Uh, actually, as I sit here in front of all of these gifts, uh, one of these gifts actually uh, will be taken home by one of you. So I'm actually very excited to give one of these uh, gifts to you, uh, just one person, uh, before you leave here tonight. So I was thinking about gift giving, gift receiving. Think for a moment. Uh, you can go back as far as you want. What's the greatest gift on Christmas, not like birthdays or other holidays or anniversaries, but the greatest gift, Christmas gift, that you ever received. Not gave, but think back to the greatest Christmas gift you ever received. What was it? Was it, uh, I don't know, maybe a toy, an outfit? Uh, do you go all the way back to when you were like five, six years old? Uh, I talked to my mom today to confirm this, but uh, uh, I got lots of cool gifts from my parents. They were creative and generous in their gift giving from bicycles and I don't know, anyone remember big wheels and uh, green machines? Those things were pretty cool. Um, I, I think my favorite gift growing up, uh, and by the way, I'm 37, so they didn't have like what we have now in terms of like Wii and PlayStation 10, whatever number PlayStation is on. Uh, this was one of my favorite gifts here was uh, an old school Atari system. Does anyone remember Atari? Now, I know that just looks like a brown cardboard box, but if you plug like an eight-track looking thing in, uh, there would be games like Space Invaders, and there was a, a very high-tech game called Pong, and uh, it had like two little things and a ball bounced in between them. It was amazing. The graphics were incredible, but uh, this was uh, a favorite gift of mine. Uh, my son last year, Caden, if he were up here telling you this, he would tell you his favorite gift happened last year, uh, and he looked uh, like this. Now, my son is a huge Ohio State fan, so his gift that he really wanted was a full-blown shoulder pads, pants, jersey, and helmet, and he also wanted drums. 
And so when all the gifts were exchanged and given, he was sat in the corner for like three days in that outfit, uh, playing in his helmet, full-blown football costume, and uh, his drums. Now, the drums lasted about two days, um, but he still sleeps, actually, with the helmet in his bed. I mean, he's, he's been thoroughly brainwashed uh, to be an Ohio State fan. <laughs> Gifts given that uh, at some level, when we think about it, we just smile. Uh, think for a second of a gift that you gave that you were just, you were so excited to give this specific gift. Uh, I remember uh, a gift that I was so excited, it was actually my dad is here, and uh, a gift, this was uh, in 2001, um, so the early uh, part of this decade, uh, I was so excited to give him. Someone had given me a gift of uh, free tickets uh, to the national championship football game that Ohio State just happened to be playing in, in uh, Tempe, Arizona. And so I had four tickets, and so I wanted my dad to go and share in my joy. And it was, an am- I was just so excited. I, uh, I remember wrapping a, a present, and I put in some really like lame Ohio State t-shirt that was like a buck 99. And I was setting him up like my dad was probably thinking, wow, this is a really lame t-shirt. You couldn't have spent more than a dollar on this, uh, but I love you, so good try. But then I also gave him uh, a, a separate box, and I forget exactly what the note said, but in it was a plane ticket and um, a ticket to the national championship game. And the look on his face was just priceless. It was just so much fun giving uh, a gift. So what is a gift that you've given that you were just, and maybe it's actually tonight, you're so excited to go home or tomorrow morning to give a gift that you just know someone is going to be so blown or so uh, be blessed by this gift that you have to give. Talking a lot about gifts, you see gifts. It's a good chance that one thing, because I'm putting it on our minds, is we're thinking uh, about gifts. It's really hard not to, especially post-Thanksgiving, December, or November 27th, Black Friday, I think it was this year, uh, where people just go nuts. And I wasn't going to confess this, but I was at Target at, I think, 5 a.m., standing in line. And I didn't think anyone else would do this, but I was actually standing in line about 450 other people. And I was like, this is ridiculous. What's wrong with these people? And I was like, wow. Well, I'm actually one of them, so I should stop judging. Um, but to get some gifts, and so from Thanksgiving on, we're all thinking about gifts. A question that I want to uh, press into and challenge, encourage you uh, to wrestle with tonight, and especially as you head in uh, the rest of the evening and tomorrow morning, uh, is this question of, do you believe that God is a gift-giving God? Do you believe that God is a gift-giving God? Now, it's safe to say that here tonight is a wide spectrum of beliefs of some people who might be indifferent towards God or don't believe in God. Or So I, I realize that this question presupposes that you believe that there's actually a God. But one of the things that I love about Christmas time is that... Uh, we're all thinking uh, about God. I mean, the reason for Christmas is we celebrate the birth of a baby in a no-name town of Bethlehem that wasn't even on the map 2,000 years ago. Now, I know that might not be your reason for celebrating Christmas, but the world stops on December 25th to recognize the birth of this baby, this boy, this child who grew to be a man 
named Jesus. So again, it might not be your reason, but at the heart of Christmas, it's we're celebrating Jesus and his birth, his arrival. Actually, the very first people to hear about this amazing birth was a group of shepherds. If you're not familiar with shepherds, they were not uh, cream of the crop in terms of the culture. They were way down the ladder. And this is what an angel actually speaks to these shepherds. He says, the angel said to them in Luke chapter 2, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, because today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, meaning Messiah. He is the Lord, meaning God, sovereign one. Actually, 700 years before Jesus showed up, there was a prophet named Isaiah who said, this is going to happen. And this is what this prophet said. Therefore, the Lord himself, he's going to give you a sign. The virgin will be with a child and will give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel. Okay, I don't know if you caught that part in the verse where it said the virgin will be with child. That should clue you in to something here, that God is doing something rather miraculous because it never had happened up until that point again, and it's never happened since where a virgin would give birth to a child. God's hand activity was with this woman, Mary, who would be the mother of Jesus. And it says, you will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, some people are like, well, I thought his name was Jesus. Emmanuel is a title, and it just means God with us or with us is God. My name's Michael, but I have a title or role of dad or husband or pastor. Jesus' role or his title that he was given by God is that this is God with us. So if God showed up 2,000 years ago, you have to at least wrestle with the why. I love why questions, and this is where a why question is very appropriate. If God really did come, if God really did show up, why? Why did he come? Was it to potentially condemn or criticize or just check in on humanity? Was he just angry and had something to say or do? Did God show up to bless or reward or communicate some message? You have to think about the why. Why did God show up? If he did show up, there has to be a reason. And a question is, what if the reason that God actually showed up, stepped into humanity in the person of Jesus, the God-man Jesus, God with us, what if the sole reason for Jesus coming, God coming, was to give you a gift? What if there was just one thing on God's mind and the sole reason to show up was not to criticize or condemn or to reward or to check in with humanity because he was somehow lost track of what was going on on earth? What if it was to give you a gift? I'm curious to know then, if it was to give you a gift, what possibly could that gift be? I'm excited to see some of the gifts that I'll get to open up tomorrow uh, from family and, and friends. But if God had a gift for me, I can't tell you, I probably wouldn't sleep the night before. Wow, what does God have for me? What could possibly God give to me? Now, just the mention of God and gifts in the same sentence, 
we get really confused and we start thinking of God almost in terms of, as we think of potentially Santa. Now, I'm not down on Santa. I'm not knocking the big man and a belly and a beard and a red coat. But when we consider gifts and God and Santa, this is how it works. Good people get good things. Bad people, nothing. Zip, bubkiss. If you're good, you get good gifts. If you're bad, you get nothing. Here's his song. You may have heard of it before. You better watch out. Like, I want you to listen to this song through the lens of, like, potentially this would be freaky if this actually was true. You better watch out. You better not cry. I'm being threatened here because someone's watching me and telling me not to cry. Better not pout because I'm telling you why. Santa, well, he's coming to town. He's making a list and he's checking it twice. He will find out who's been naughty and nice. Santa is coming to town. This is where it gets freaky for me. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Like this is where you'd get a restraining order. And you would, you know, call Santa a stalker, okay? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So you better be good. You better be good. Now, I know we don't say it out loud that God is Santa and Santa is God, but we get them really confused. And we think that if God actually had a gift for us from him to you to me, the immediate thought with gift is, well, I better be good. Because if I'm not good, I'll get nothing. Or the something that he'll actually give me will be something I don't want and I'll want to return. Now, if this is true, that God was like Santa and gave us gifts based on our performance, the natural thing that we would do is we'd, we'd come up with religion. And what I mean by that is if God is actually like Santa and he gives gifts based on our performance, being good or being bad, we will come up with a list of things to do and a list of things to avoid. Meaning if you do this, this, and this, you're in good. He'll look at you and say, okay, I got a good gift for you. And we'll come up with a list similar saying, don't do this. Don't go here. Don't think about that. Don't put that in your body. And we'll create a list of do's and don'ts. Basically, we'll perform. And at really the heart of religion, it just says perform and you will get what your performance calls for. What's interesting is when we think about gifts, and performance, if I get a gift based on my performance, it's not a gift. It's a wage. It's a payment. I did something to earn that or get that. So if I'm thinking about God is giving me something good because I did something good, that's not a gift. I did something to get that. What many fail to realize is gifts based on performance is just not a gift. If I gave Kyla a gift tomorrow and I said, here you go. You've been a great wife. You did this and you did that. So you deserve this. I'm pretty sure she would be a, a little irked, a little disappointed of, wow, you give me a gift based on how you thought I performed this year? Well, yes. Isn't that how it works? Or if on my anniversary, I gave her a gift and I'm like, well, this year wasn't such a banner year for you. 
And instead of going to this restaurant, we're actually going to end up at McDonald's, you know? Try a little harder next year, and we'll go out somewhere a little bit more fancy. I don't know how you feel about when you even hear the word religion, uh, but something just uh, in my skin just begins to crawl. Like, I get really sad, I get really frustrated, and even angry when I think about religion Uh, because religion just basically says this. It will lead you to be incredibly prideful and look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. Look at what I've achieved. Look at my life. I've done so many good things and we get prideful because of our performance. And if you don't become prideful, then the flip side of religion will lead you to despair, utter hopelessness. Oh, I, I can't do that. I'm so not like that. And it will just lead us because we, we sense I can't perform up to that standard. And so religion either leads you to be very prideful or it leads you to a, a point of utter despair. For me, my life changed when I began to understand uh, God as a giver of gifts, not based on my performance not based on what I did or what I did not do, i.e. religion, but my entire world, my understanding of God, my understanding of myself changed radically when I began to understand, wow, this is really about a relationship. This has nothing to do with being a religious, morally upstanding individual because those who know me, like, wow, you, you, you've got some issues, Michael. You're, you're not perfect. You sin. You have attitude sometimes. And so what really set me free from a performance-driven life, a performance-driven faith, was when I began to see and understand that God is the giver of very good gifts. There's a man in Paul, as I've studied Scripture and, and wrestled with Scripture and tried to understand Scripture, I met a guy named Paul. And Paul was, you could describe Paul as a really, really like really on steroids, religious guy. Like, do you know anyone in your life like that? Like you look at them, you're like, you're like a religious fanatic. This was Paul, okay? His whole life was about just performance and religion. This is what he says of himself in a letter called Philippians. He says, if anyone else thinks he has reason to be put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Like, you ever met a really competitive person? Religious people are very, very competitive. I mean, just look how he's, if anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in what they've done, I've got more. I will beat you. I win. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. This is his resume. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. This was his resume. He was impressed with this. But then something happens. Paul met Jesus. He meets this God-man named Jesus, and he was no longer a religious man. The, The one who said, legalistic righteousness, I'm faultless. I've done everything. When he meets this God-man, this is what he says. He goes on. But whatever was to my profit, 
I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. Meaning all that stuff that I just listed that I used to be impressed with, what a waste. What a waste. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. This religious man, this religious zealot, when he meets Jesus, there is a radical shift in his thinking. And he doesn't think about God as one to perform for, to please, so he can get good things. He thinks about God as a giver of good gifts. This shows up in a letter that he wrote to some people in Rome. And if you're familiar with a book called Romans, you really get the sense of a man is writing this letter, struggling to figure out how do I connect, how do I relate with God? Do I do it by obedience of the law? Do I, do I, do I connect with God, relate to God by a performance-driven type of faith? But because of Jesus, something in him switched. Not performance, not law, not rules and regulations, but God as the giver of good gifts. He says this in Romans chapter 6, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, okay, catch this language. This is coming from someone who did not understand gifts before. Wages, payment, penalty, what we deserve for sin is death, but the gift The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Another letter he writes to a community uh, living in a town called Ephesus. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy. Like when you consider God being rich, doesn't it do something to you to know that God is not rich in wealth as we see wealth? That when we consider God as being wealthy and rich, he's rich in mercy, in love, he goes on, who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sins. It is by grace that you've been saved. He goes on in verse eight, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one could ever boast. Can you imagine getting to heaven and like looking at one another, be like, well, what'd you do? And then the person looks at you like, well, I did this, and I did this, I did this. Like, have you ever been, have, had a friend? This might be you, but have you ever had a friend who every time you told them a story, they had a better one? The one-upsman, right? One-ups woman? Like you're, you're sharing something exciting, something you did or you were part of, And their response is not to celebrate you and be like, wow, that is incredible. Oh, I remember when I did something like that, but it was like this. And then you feel like this small and you're like, wow, I used to be happy and now I'm just completely depressed. Can you imagine if that's what heaven was like? Well, what did you do to get here, Michael? Well, I did this. Well, how'd you get in here? Well, gosh, I'm just, I'm like this small now. Like, that would be terrible. That wouldn't even be heaven. It wouldn't even be earth. That would be hell. Like a a place where people, we continue to compare ourselves to other based on performance or a community where everything, our value, significance, and worth just came from how well we performed. I've already said this, but religion will either lead you to be a really prideful person. I did it. I've achieved it. I've accomplished it. Or it will lead you to despair, hopelessness. 
I, I can't do it. There's no way I could ever do that. I asked you a question um, not too long ago, but the question was, if Jesus came and the sole reason of Jesus coming was to give a gift, what would that gift be? You've already heard about it in some of the verses that I've read, but when I think about gifts, I often dwell to the gifts I want, not necessarily the gifts I need. I was putting on my socks tonight, and there's a big old hole in my sock. I never wear shoes. I always wear sandals. I wanted to get dressed up for you tonight, so I put on shoes. I don't, like, I need socks. Now, if I got, you know, home and, you know, Kyla had got me a, a case of socks, I'd be like, wow, that's terrible. I don't want socks, but I need socks. Point being, when I think about gifts, I often think about gifts I want, and I wonder if you do the same. I want God's gift to me is to give me a blank check to get me out of this mess of debt I'm in. Or I want God to give me the gift of a killer career or that awesome house filled with these awesome toys. Or I want God to give me that relationship of the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the husband, the wife. I want God to give me a gift where I'll be known, I'll be recognized, I'll be famous, I'll be wealthy, I'll be beautiful. Like that's the gift I want God to give me. And I can honestly say this, I am thankful that God does not pay attention to what I want, but he pays absolute attention to what I need. This is a hard question because many of us might not know how to answer it, is what do you actually need? What is your greatest need? Not want, but your greatest need. As you sit here tonight, as you examine, consider your life, what is your greatest need? Jesus uh, was phenomenal at asking questions. And a question that Jesus asked that will help answer the question I'm asking is this in Mark chapter 8, verse 36. What good is it for man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? This was his question that he, he looked at some religious people. What good is it if you gain the entire world, which by the way is not possible, but what good is it if you could have it all, but yet you've lost your soul? I know many of us probably don't think every single day about our soul, our essence, who we are. But to God, that is what matters most. Not our situations or our circumstances or our trials and things that we go through and endure day to day. But Jesus says, wow, if you forfeit your soul, you have lost everything. You can gain everything in your eyes, but if you lose your soul, you've lost everything. So I ask, does your soul actually matter to you as you sit here tonight? Your essence, who you are, does it matter to you? Jesus says, that's what matters most. More than anything else, this is what Jesus says, is that your soul matters most. So God's gift to humanity, when he showed up 2,000 years ago in this child, this infant Jesus, was that he sent a savior. He sent a savior, his son, to save you and I from being separated from God, both now, but also for eternity. Obviously, if we need a savior, 
that means I need saving from something. Paul, who I've already quoted a few times tonight, man, he knew himself really, really well, and this was his assessment of himself. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the worst. But Paul wrote in another letter, I'm the best. I'm the most religious, zealous, righteous person. Everything about his life screamed religion. But then when he meets Jesus, he says this, Christ Jesus came into, into the world to save sinners of who I am absolutely the worst. But this is not just Paul's story. This is my story. This is all of our story. Romans, he says it again, all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. I want you to know what separates you and me from God is not that God is indifferent towards you. God is not indifferent towards the plight of humanity. That's not what separates us from God. What separates us from God is us, that we rebel, that we sin, that we say to God, I'm going to do my thing my way when I want, how long I want. I don't care about you. I will live my life in, in light of you're not a reality, God. The question, what is sin? Because if sin separates, we better know what sin is. I can just give you the most simplest description is just it's rebellion. I just want to do my thing. I live in light that God is not real, that God did not create me with purpose, a plan. I live my life as if I am God. And that lifestyle will separate you from God. And the reality is it not only separates you from God, but sin has consequences. I've already mentioned, but the consequence that Paul mentioned, the wage, the penalty, the payment of sin is death. And it's not just a physical death. We will all die at some point. The physical, the death that Paul is talking about is eternity, not in heaven, but eternity in hell. But what I love, what Jesus did, what God did for you, God did for me, is he gave us a gift. And the great gift from God to you is salvation. God stepped forth into humanity so that we would know him and that we would walk with him, have a relationship with him. Not have a relationship with rules and regulations and, and religion leading to pride or despair, but that we would have a relationship with God that leads us to, to hope, to understand who we are and how greatly we are loved by him. One thing God makes very clear about this gift, you can't earn it. And to me, that's incredible news. I would waste my entire life living in insecurity of, am I doing enough? Is, am I performing? And I'd get to the end of my life and I'd wonder, did, did I do it? And I will get to the end of my life and I won't have to wonder, did I do it? I can say, Jesus did it. I trust him. I don't trust myself. So you can't earn a gift. It's not a gift if it's earned. And the point is, we all need saving. There's some pretty cool gifts up here. Uh, one of them actually has something in it. Who would be interested in one of these gifts tonight? Raise your hand. If you're interested in one of these gifts. Okay, Rachel, I saw your hand come. Uh, shoot up first. I didn't even look at this side of the room, so sorry that side of the room. Rachel, this gift here, center stage, that is for you. So enjoy. 
take it, well done, that's it, it's a gift. What Rachel uh, doesn't know is I'm really excited about that gift uh, because I was thinking, man, if no one actually comes up, then I will get it. And um, inside that box, uh, Rachel, uh, if you don't know me uh, at all, um, my favorite restaurant in the entire world um, (laughs) is Chipotle. And I have just a fond relationship with Chipotle. Uh, I take care of them and they take care of me. Uh, that is a $100 gift card uh, to Chipotle. Um, I'm giving what I would think is an extravagant gift. That's at least, if you get uh, a burrito and a drink, that's about 14 meals out of that one gift card. If you take your brother or friends, that will minimize it to maybe about six or seven. So go on your own. Um, I wanted to illustrate really just one thing. Um, Rachel obviously did not do anything to deserve. She didn't even know that she would get a gift. Uh, And all of this for a simple illustration of you can't force someone to take a gift. Like, I can't beg you, Rachel, please come take this gift. You have to take it. It just doesn't work like that. You and I have a choice. She could have looked at that gift and said, no, I don't like silver wrapping paper, so forget it. I don't want it. If it was the blue gift, I might have taken it. It's a very simple thing. God will not force his gift on you, and I'm thankful he doesn't. He gives me the opportunity and you the opportunity to receive and say, you know what? I recognize who I am. I recognize what I've done. I recognize that I need saving, a savior, and I recognize that Jesus was sent to do that very thing, and you can receive that gift very simply. Or you can say, I don't need saving. I'm fine as I am, where I am, without creator, without God in my life. I will be, I will just tell you if that's where you are, uh, the consequence of rejection is you're separating yourself uh, from the eternal love and grace and mercy that God has for you demonstrated in the person of Jesus. Tonight, before we light our candles and finish by singing Silent Night, I want to give you the opportunity to make a decision, to just simply say, God, I've actually never thought of you as a gift-giving God. I never thought of you as a God who might actually care enough about me to have a gift for me. I never thought that God would give me what I need most, not what I want. If that's you tonight, if you're the person who has been curious about God, wondering, thinking about God, even just tonight or this Christmas season, I just want you to know that God came to humanity to give humanity what we need most. And we need saving from ourselves, saving from our sin so that we will not be separated from God. I'm going to pray. And just in this moment of just quiet, uh, before we would sing, I just want you to make a decision. And not making a decision is ultimately making a decision. Because there's only two options when someone gives you a gift. You'll go home tonight, tomorrow, and people will give you something. 
you can either reject that gift and say, I don't want it. I don't deserve it. I don't need it. I don't like it. Or actually, I don't like you. I don't want your gift. It's a good chance that no one would do that. Like none of us, it's safe to say, even though you all don't know me, if I gave you a gift like Rachel, you'd probably take it. If God has a gift for you, which he does, my heart for you is to just open wide your life, your heart, your soul, and say, God, tonight in this place, December 24th, 2009, I want to receive what you have for me. If that would be you, um, I'm just going to pray, and I would encourage you. uh, Again, this is my prayer. I want you to pray, Uh, but your prayer just might sound something along the lines of, God, I've never received this gift from you, and I want to receive the gift of Jesus, a Savior for my sin in this place tonight, no longer acting like God of my life, but trusting you as God. So, Father God, tonight, I just, I I give thanks that you are a gift-giving God. And I give thanks that despite us not even asking for a gift and certainly not deserving a gift, you chose to give to us, to your creation, to humanity, what we need most. Father God, tonight, if there is anyone here, and maybe there are many, who have never just opened wide their life to you. God, I pray that they would receive the gift that you have, the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life, the gift of Jesus Christ. If that's you tonight, I would just encourage you, if you've never opened wide your life, just pray something along these lines. God, I confess I need saving. I confess I'm separated from you right now because of sin. And I believe that Jesus, you are a gift from God to be my Savior. So Jesus, I open wide my heart, my life, who I am to you. Trusting you, not myself or my works, to save me. I'm going to guess that there's many here tonight, maybe you prayed that actually for the very first time, of just receiving the gift of God, receiving the gift of Jesus as salvation, forgiveness of our sins. I'm going to guess that there are people who have, at some point, Maybe you actually receive that gift. If you've actually are in relationship with Jesus and made a decision to receive that gift, whether that was last week or 10 years ago, 50 years ago, um, my encouragement to you is live life as one who's received the greatest gift of all time. If someone gave me a $100 gift card to Chipotle, man, I would sing about it. I would like tell stories. I'd like... There was this one day where someone gave me this gift card to Chipotle and it changed my life. I mean, I would, just, I would not stop talking about it. I would, be, I would have joy. I would be so excited. That's just a restaurant, a good one, but it's just a restaurant. If you have received a gift from God of salvation, then live life as one who has received from God for you the greatest gift 
of all time. Tonight, um, as we finish, thank you. If you have a candle, go ahead and uh, grab a candle. And Jesus said many amazing things, but one of the things that Jesus said is, I am the light of the world. And Jesus came so that we, you and I, humanity, would not walk in darkness, but those who would walk with Jesus would walk in light. And so tonight, as we would sing Silent Night, uh, I'm going to light my candle here, and I will light yours, and just kind of carefully, cautiously um, spread around the candle. And as just you're lighting your candle and we're singing the song, let your just prayer be, God, thank you for lighting up the world so that I don't have to live in darkness. So as we sing and we would go home into Christmas tomorrow, let this just be a song of praying thanksgiving to God that he gave you and I the greatest gift of all time, Jesus Christ, the light of the world.